Okay, so we are going to jump into a uh, we're going to jump into a new sermon series, um, and uh, tonight we are going to be in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter two. So if you have your paper Bibles, um, please get those out. Turn to Colossians. Um, Colossians is kind of. I don't know, the first third, first half of the New Testament comes right after Philippians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, first and second uh, Thessalonians. And um, tonight we are going to be um, introing a series uh, titled Firm Foundation. Um, and the title of tonight's message is Jesus is Fully God. And so if you are looking at the Bible app on your phone, um, you can go to the bottom right-hand corner of the YouVersion Bible app and tap uh, more and then events, and then you will see it populate there. Make sure to save it so that if you do write notes down, you can access those notes uh, on a later date. If you're choosing to use a paper Bible and you're wanting to write paper notes, um, feel free to do that. And maybe you're asking yourself, like, what should I be writing down within a sermon? Um, kind of a rule, the rule of thumb that I have is if something stands out to me or something is interesting, maybe something that I don't know, or um, maybe it's something that I want to look up later because I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound right, uh, or are they using that verse in the right context? Sometimes I will write those verses down, I will look them up on my own time and um, do some further study that way. Um, or if you want to just write down the things that appear on the screen, um, those, are, those are kind of the things that we've decided um, are some of the most important things uh, to remember kind of the main ideas of uh, the sermon each and every Wednesday. Um, so talking about uh, foundations, most of you recognize the importance of a strong base to any structure. Um, you realize that in order to have a steady structure, you need a sturdy base that can hold the weight of the structure. Um, just by a show of hands, how many of you guys were at summer camp this summer? So a handful of us, about half of us. Um, do you remember uh, at the very, the last day of our team competitions, like the very last thing that we had to do was create a human pyramid? Do you remember that? Do you remember the people that you chose to be on the bottom? Typically, it's the stronger people. Um, sometimes you choose like more athletic people to be on the base because oftentimes you can... Um, hold the weight of the people on top of you. Sometimes you'll choose like a football player to be on the bottom, but um, you also recognize this in like cheerleading. When you go to do stunts, like you need a strong person at, uh, on the bottom to hold the person up or to catch the person. Why do you do that? That's a real question, not rhetorical. Why do you do that? Why do you put a strong person at the base? So you don't fall? You don't fall? Do you get thrown around in cheerleading? Oh, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, that's new. Yeah, you put strong people at the base so that you can catch the person or not drop the person that you are holding. Um, you know, doing uh, like, like a firm foundation and a strong foundation is true with Lego creations. If you're building like a Lego tower, uh, my kids love magnetiles. I don't know if any of you guys have younger siblings that have magnetiles, but they are incredible. And my kids love to build creations with those. And they've realized that if the base isn't big enough, um, isn't strong enough, then it's not going to hold up their creation. Um, but it's also and mainly true with buildings. 
You know, I, I, uh, I uh, downloaded a bunch of pictures to show you, and then I totally forgot to put them in my presentation. So you're going to have to imagine with me some poor foundations with big cracks in them and fallen buildings, buildings that have not withstood, um, you know, natural disasters or earthquakes or, or things like that. Um, but here's the thing about a firm foundation. It's not only true of physical things, but our emotions need a strong foundation in order to handle those feelings in appropriate ways. Um, the same is true for our spiritual life. In order to grow and stand strong in your convictions, a person needs a strong foundation. So over the course of the next seven weeks, we will be addressing certain things that are foundational for a person to have a firm foundation in their life with Jesus. We are going to address the topic of Jesus is fully God and fully man. We will also address the truth that Jesus lived a sinless life and we are sinful beings in need of a Savior. And our hope is that through this series, you will learn some basic fundamental truths about who Jesus is in a simple and clear way. And I want to give a shout out before we start the sermon. Um, our intern, Kaylee, um, is the one who came up with all seven of these weeks, um, the kind of the topic and the text that we will be preaching. So give a hand to Kaylee because she did all of the legwork of what texts that we're going to be preaching and kind of the series big idea. Um, so as we jump into uh, this series. Let's. Uh, I want to give you just a brief context of our passage tonight. Um, so the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in the city of Colossae. Uh, this was a church that he had never visited, um, but he was a co-worker in the gospel with a man who did start this church, and his name was Epaphras. Everybody say Epaphras. You name your firstborn Epaphras. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the church during one of his many imprisonments in Roman prison for proclaiming Jesus as the risen Savior. And this letter addresses many themes, including um, cultural pressures that the church was facing, how to practically live out their newfound faith in Jesus, and to treat one another with love, forgiveness, and the grace of Jesus. And ultimately, this letter was intended to reaffirm what Epaphras was teaching the church already, that Jesus was the baseline and foundation for their lives. So this is the basic kind of context of the book. And what we will focus on tonight is the reality that Jesus is fully God and how that impacts how we follow him. And so tonight we are going to mainly be studying Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But in order to gather uh, a greater understanding of what is happening within those two verses, we will read the entire chunk surrounding it. So why don't you stand together as our reader comes to read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Can you guys give Bella a hand as she comes? All right, Bella, do you want to read it here? Okay, here you are. So then, just as you receive Jesus Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See, it, see to it that no one takes you captive, though hollow and 
deceptive philosophy philosophy which depends on human tradition tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness he is the head of over every power and authority in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins in the uncircumcision, circumcision, Decision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having concealed the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spect- spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Awesome. Oh, sorry. Awesome job, Bella. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. That's a lot. Um, if you were to summarize this chunk of Colossians 2 uh, with a focus on verses 9 through 10, you could summarize it this way. And if you're taking notes, this would be a great thing for you to write down. Um, all of God's power and authority resides in the person of Jesus. So this is kind of the main thought, what's uh, kind of the umbrella to this whole sermon. Um, within this section of chapter 2, Paul addresses uh, cultural pressures influencing this particular church. And our text in verses 9 through 10 kind of sits right in the middle of Paul addressing this. Uh, many of the, the cultural pressures this church was experiencing were the tension between the gods they worshipped before they gave their lives to Jesus and the pressure to do certain things in order to be saved by Jesus. Most, if not all, of the church members in Colossae were Roman citizens. And you might be asking yourself, why is it important that we know that the members of the church in Colossae were Roman citizens? Um, This is significant because that means before they followed Jesus, they had a way of living their life. They had a way of looking at life. They had an explanation of how, quote, deities played a role in their life. And so this means that when they decided to follow Jesus, surrendered their lives to Jesus, repented of their sin, they had this negative baggage that they were bringing into this relationship. Because when we decide to follow Jesus, we often bring negative baggage from our past. And this baggage influences the way that we read the Bible, the way that we interpret the Bible, as well as what we try to include in the teachings of the Bible. And so the Roman culture was a polytheistic society and believed in and partook in the worship of many different gods and goddesses. And the most notable Roman gods, maybe some of you guys know this from your history classes, I think the most like famous are the Greek gods, right? Those are like the bad boys, the baddies, as you kids say, right? Is that, is that a thing? Sounds so weird. 
Never going to say that again. Um, The most notable Roman's gods would have been Jupiter. He was the protector of the state. Juno, Alaska, was the protector of women. uh, And Minerva was the goddess of craft and wisdom. So Paul called out um, the sin within these Christians because they added Jesus to these lists of gods that they worshipped. So the issue was that they didn't uh, give up their old way of life as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 to receive a new life in Christ. They simply put Jesus up on a bulletin board with these other gods and just included Jesus in their worship. And the Christians in Colossae were trying to build their lives upon two different foundations. One foundation was their worship and allegiance to Roman gods. The other foundation was the idea that they needed more than a profession of of faith in Jesus to be saved. And leading up to verse 9, Paul explains the faultiness of the false teachings within the Colossian church. He says in the second half of verse 8, to quote, not let anyone take you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy. And so the original language uh, that we translate, quote, take you captive, is the same words to use to describe someone who is taken captive in war and drugged back to the captor's homeland to be a slave. And so some commentators would describe the false teachers in Colossae as, quote, men stealers, who are dragging the Colossian Christians into spiritual enslavement by these false teachings. So these false teachers were taking these Christians away from sound biblical doctrine into a world of what sounds good but is not right. They do not line up with what scripture lays out as truth. And so these false doctrines being taught did not rely on the supremacy and the sovereignty of Jesus. Instead, these teachings were based on what verse 8 calls human traditions and elemental spirits. And unfortunately, we don't have tons of time to get into the human traditions and elemental spirits. But if you're using the Uversion app, I linked to an article that, that talks about elemental spirits and what that actual, actually means if you want to check that out. So this is where uh, Paul transitions to speak of who Jesus is and why he is worthy of their devotion. It says in verse 9, for in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And so what Paul is saying is that all of God lives in bodily form through Jesus. And this was also not just true of when Jesus was here on earth, but for all time. And the Greek word that we translate as lives in verse 9 suggests a permanent dwelling. So this word does not suggest a temporary dwelling, meaning that Jesus was just the fullness of God when he was on earth, but not now in heaven. It means he was the fullness of God on earth as well as in heaven. And John chapter 1 verse 14 also speaks to this truth. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So if we continue reading in verse 10, Paul brings application to the readers. He says, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Um, Because Jesus is fully God and also a man, believers share in Christ's fullness. 
This does not mean that we become God um, or share in, in God's perfection as humans. The Bible is pretty clear that we will still struggle with sin in this life. No matter if we surrender our life to Jesus or not, sin will be a part of our life on this side of heaven. And I think theologian Curtis Vaughn said it well. He says, in union with Christ, our every, sp- uh, our every spiritual need is fully met. Possessing him, we possess all. There was no need, therefore, for the Colossians to turn to the philosophy of the false teachers, the ritual of the Mosaic law, or to the spirit beings worshipped by the pagan world. All they needed was in Jesus Christ. They can find, they could find all they need in Jesus because Jesus is fully God. And here is where a really big question comes into play. Um, what if Jesus isn't God? Like I know maybe you've heard a lot of sermons and you've heard a lot of people say that Jesus is God and you've heard a lot of Bible verses talk about these things and maybe this is the question that pops up into your head all the time. Well, what if Jesus isn't God? Here's the deal. Completion in Christ can only be true if Jesus is in fact fully God. And I think, it's a, I think it's a valid question to ask. These are real and difficult questions to ponder through. And this is why we feel it necessary to talk through these questions in our Sunday night small groups. And so if you haven't joined us on the first and third Sunday night for Alpha, um, please consider, consider uh, joining us so that you can have a conversation about these topics of like, who is Jesus and why is Jesus worth following? Advertisement over for small groups. Um, Paul will go on in verses 11 through 15 to further explain Jesus's fullness and what he has done for humanity. And I think the purpose of these verses we've been walking through is to show the Colossian Christians that they don't need any of these other philosophies to fulfill them as believers. They don't need all these other truths and these other ideas to bring completion to their life or to bring fulfillment to them. And I think that the same is true for you and me tonight. And this text encourages us to trust in the fullness of Jesus and not to rely on any other truths to find our completion. Many of us try to find ourselves in many different ways. We search for the people that will complete us, complement us, and make us feel a certain way about ourselves. But the reality is we usually never feel complete. We usually never feel confident or loved in those ways, yet we keep going back because it may feel like there's no other way to find belonging and completion and fulfillment. What if we chose to put our trust and faith in the fullness of Jesus? What would happen if we chose to build the foundation of our life on the fullness of Jesus rather than the friends that we hang out with, the hobbies we have, or the relationships that we are in? And this text seems to say that things other than Jesus do not provide a solid and secure foundation. So as we come to a close, this is what's going to happen. Jordan's going to come up to the keyboard, and um, we want to give you just a moment um, for you to pray and, and consider what God may be showing you through this text. 
maybe for you as as you hear people talking about what are you building your foundation on? What are you building your life on? What am I trying to find fulfillment in? We want to give you an opportunity to have an honest look within your own heart, to have an honest look in your own mind. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the big idea with you, um, and then we're going to pray in a moment, and then Jordan's going to play through that song, Firm Foundation, briefly. She's not going to play the whole song, but we want to give you an opportunity um, to pray with your small group leader, um, to sing the song, to look at the lyrics, and to contemplate um, your own life. And so we want to give you a bunch of different options. But here's the big idea that I want to leave you with. The believer is made whole because Jesus is fully God. So as a believer, you are made whole not by anything else, but the reality that Jesus is fully God. So like I said, we want to provide an opportunity for you to have a moment between you and God to reflect on what we've talked about. This is a time for you to... um, allow God to ref- to reveal things to you that you've relied on to bring your completion. This is an opportunity for you to repent of those things, submit yourself to the truth that Jesus is all that you need. So as Jordan plays this song and after I sing, um, I would encourage you to maybe find a, a place um, by yourself, Not maybe, maybe for you that's not sitting next to somebody, whatever allows you to focus on um, what you need to focus on. And like I said, our small group leaders, or your small group leader, or our youth leaders will be just kind of in the seats and just kind of around on the sides. And if you want them to pray with you, I would encourage you um, to find them because they would love to pray with you. So let's pray just together and then we'll go into our response time. Jesus, we thank you that you are in fact fully God. Jesus, we thank you that we don't have to question whether or not um, you will complete us or fulfill us. And Jesus, I pray that over the next um, moment or two, that as we look at these lyrics, as we read them, as we sing them, as we process what we've been relying on, God, would you reveal to us the things that we need to get rid of in our life? the things that we need to repent of that have been taking the place of you in our lives. Help us to be honest with ourselves. In your name we pray.